1: Hello, and welcome to Ground Control Parenting, a blog and now a podcast created for parents raising Black and brown children. I'm the creator and your host, Carol Sutton Lewis. In this podcast series, I talk with some really interesting people about the job and the joy of parenting. Today, I am thrilled to have as my guest the fabulous award-winning actress, Ms. Lynn Whitfield, Lynn has starred in so many television and film roles over the years, from her breakout performance as Josephine Baker in The Josephine Baker Story, to her most recent star turn as Lady May Greenleaf in the TV series Greenleaf. She has a daughter, Grace, who's in her late 20s. Welcome to Ground Control Parenting, Lynn! Yay. Yay, girl. <laughs> oh, it's so great to have you. We go so way back to when our children were young, and we were doing our best to be great moms and fabulous women all at the same time, and now... Here we are, still at it. <laughs>
0: we're still at it and, you know, and still
1: passionate about things. And- yes, absolutely. Yes. I'm really happy that you came to talk to me about parenting because, you know, we've related as parents for a long time, but we really haven't had a chance to have an extended conversation about parenting. So I want to start with a parenting goal that I often share, and it is to parent the child that you have, not the one that you were or the one that you wished for. So I want to start by talking about how you were parented, about how little Lynn Smith grew up in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. <laughs> well, you know, it was a, a, a mixture of,
0: <laughs> um, of approaches, I would say. Uh, one was uh, to be correct, you know and how you looked and manners and um the impression that you made upon people mm-hmm. uh and then um there was the portion where I saw my grandfather and my dad and my uncles who were all very hard working all howard Um, educated physicians. Mm -hmm. And so I was parented with uh, the idea of, um, of hard work being important, that um, community was very important because, you know, we, my first five years of my life, we lived at my grandparents' house. Mm -hmm. (laughs) My grandfather was an old country doctor, Mm -hmm. you know, um, brilliant, Absolutely brilliant. Read all kinds of science of mind, all that. But he was an earthy, good old family doctor. Mm-hmm. So people would come, and it was a you know lovely home in the middle of the the black neighborhood, um, and people would come up on the steps and say, I need to see Dr. Butler. I think my precious, ha, ha. <laughs> <laughs> or, you know, not feeling well or knocking on the door because their wife was having a baby. <laughs> uh, and my my grandfather never turned them away. So that part of my training was about the fact that people in our community are important. Mm-hmm. And we have a responsibility to them. So that was another part of the parenting. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the other part was this earthy, wild kind of Tennessee Williams-esque sense of drama and humor and, you know, small towns. Everybody's always talking. So that was a part of it. And I think uh, all of those influences have a lot to do with what I do and performance, mm-hmm. how I live my life. But, but the, one of the parts that really... um I think I had to break out of was what, what in their mind was correct, what mm. was proper. Uh, so I, I think still to this day, I'm breaking out of that. Cause Carol, you know, I said, you know, it shouldn't have been Demi Moore on the cover of Vanity Fair, pregnant, naked. It could have <laughs> been me. <laughs> but you know, I wouldn't do that, of course, because it was enough that I was topless in bananas and Josephine Baker. And my dad said, this better be good if you're going to have your ass out on a poster. (laughs) You know what I mean? So I didn't continue on. Like I didn't even, I had no idea what being a sex symbol was or that I was one at that time because I was busy being correct and proper.
1: (laughs) Often you find that people that are raised to be correct and proper are the most creative when it comes to figuring out how not to be that. (laughs) Yes, or how to include that. There's nothing wrong with that. I
0: think that being um, socially diverse, being able to handle yourself in in every environment is good Mm -hmm. training for a child. Mm -hmm. But when the attention is put on what people will think of you, Mm -hmm. I think... That's the part that, you know, I should have dropped like a hot potato. And, you know, I'm doing a good job of it because <laughs> we are always answering. We are always answering our parenting, whether it, how we were parented mm-hmm. in good ways, you know, the good, the bad, the ugly of it all. Mm-hmm.
1: No, absolutely. You know, something you just said uh, made me think. Um, I know of what you speak in terms of being raised properly in that. Manners are really important. You know, there are things you say and don't say. I think the difference, and it sounds like it was in your family as well, the difference in my family when we got these lessons was the ability not to take ourselves too seriously with it, the knowledge that there was, that was important. It was good to be well-mannered. But I always found that people that could only see the world through this sort of myopic kind of uh, prism, and took themselves so seriously missed out on the opportunity to be more of a, of a socially diverse person. You know, you, you can, it's easier to have fun when, or or to enjoy life when you appreciate that just because you know the right way to do things, it's not the only way to do things.
0: Well, that's the that's the part that was so incredibly, um, the, the, all the contradictions. But I'm saying that part, I think, stuck with me a lot. Mm-hmm. It didn't just include me. It included other people. We were the family that stayed up till four o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. I mean, laughing. I remember the cocktails and the ice going <laughs> and the blink of the cocktails and the jokes and the... Uh, So that was all of that as well. But part of what stuck with me that um, maybe limited some part of my expression was that, you know, mm-hmm. was the part of, you know, what will people think? What will people think? Mm-hmm. At the same time, this this spicy, like I said, Tennessee Williams-esque <laughs> family that, you know, broke tons of rules and had tons of fun, but there was still this other thing that mm-hmm. I, I was always answering. But that, so that was part of my parenting. So that
1: is so interesting. Fast forward to you have a daughter and understanding as you did the downside of being especially concerned of what people think mm-hmm. you had the opportunity with this blank slate of a child <laughs> to to discourage that did, was that was that a conscious thing on your part to try not to pass that on or was that sort of or or did you really not focus on that when she, she was growing up you know i
0: I didn't focus on that as much when we were growing up. I think that growing up in New York City in certain circles, I think there was a layer of that, but how I countered any of that was to um, always have an ear for what was going on with her. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Her father and I divorced when she was very young. Mm -hmm. So it was always important for me to take her emotional temperature, you know, knowing Mm -hmm. how she was, uh, having an an open door for her to communicate with me Uh, and how other people felt about who she was was not nearly as important as me keeping up with who she was, with what her needs were with what her personal expressions were. So I think it balanced out that way mm-hmm, because, mm-hmm. It, it, because it uh, that's how I approached it. And so part of that is, I think, is very validating for a child. Mm-hmm. That what they think, what they feel um, is important enough to really have a discussion about mm-hmm. it, to really have an ear for it, to... Uh, make a different decision based upon what was going on with them. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, so it kind of balanced out uh, pretty well by approaching it that way. Uh, Because, you know, the, it's, it's easy to just relegate kids to like, okay, you're the child and I'm the parent. And I'm going to kind of listen. But I think it's very important, particularly in the world of New York and the schools and everything that was going on with, uh, you know, what they would say in um, in in Baton Rouge was, you know, some of those kids were kind of fast. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> They say that in New York City, too. <laughs> so, so they were kind of fast. So I wanted yeah. to be able to come to me and talk to me mm-hmm. and, and for her to feel free enough to do that, that it would be without, you know, a whole bunch of judgment.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And you did a great job. So, you know, this reminds me that I really want to talk to you about single motherhood, particularly single mothers and daughters. And I found there's a really interesting relationship that develops because um whereas The rules of of parenting are, you know, your child is not your friend. I mean, you know, you are friendly with them, but they're not your friend. But I find when, and this is purely my observation, feel free to disagree, but particularly as the daughter gets older, there's this kind of um, wavy line between sort of mother and, and friend. And there's, because you're two women and because as a single parent, you can't, your child is going to see more of your life because there's no one to sort of hand him or her off to. Do you, do you feel as if your relationship with your daughter um, sort of varied in terms of um, friendship? Was it, was the bond sort of bigger than, than a, than a parent child bond, more of a, a friend parent bond? I think, uh, Yes, there's. I don't know if
0: the bond is is more because I've never raised, you know, raised mm-hmm. another child. Mm-hmm. I'm constantly in new mommy hell, no matter what. <laughs> <laughs> but but um, it wasn't the divorce as much uh, because Brian and I co-parented really well with Grace. Mm-hmm. Uh, for many, many years. So we would take, uh, you know, family holidays and, you know, and he he was English. So in England and in France, and we would hand off there and, you know, have a few days that we spent together. I consulted him on everything. He would fly in for all those special, you know, school events and Mm -hmm. Dance concerts and all of that. So that was, that was easy. And we were still in partnership in, in raising her, you know, should she go to music lessons or should she not? Well, she's showing promise. Well, I don't know. Oh, you spoil her. No, I don't. You are too just liberal. You know, so we did all of that. Um, but it was in his death. mm because he died when Grace was 12, just going into puberty. I really felt that I was alone, Mm -hmm. that I was the only parent uh, that she had. Mm -hmm. That I think is when our bond became so much deeper. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, And we've kind of maintained that, that you know we're a team. We call okay. it a team. So, the the flip side of that is, yes, there's no one to hand off to. So, it's so easy. Flaws are very apparent. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's the just the two of you. Mm-hmm. And thank goodness I have great partnership in in her godparents. Mm. Caroline Ducro and Howard been, Oh my goodness. I don't know what I would have done without them. And, you know, we don't take that so deeply seriously. Uh, but I, I, listen, I hit a home run with them. So I can always call and bounce ideas off of them. So, but it has really made, um, made us a team. Mm-hmm. And uh, as we move forward, you know, and you see people die, and, uh, you know, and I'm, of course, getting older, and Grace, no woman now. Well, of course not, no. <laughs> but I mean, you know, Grace, it, it it makes her nervous, you know. She said, You're not leaving me here, you're grandkids, you're gonna see this. Come on, mom, what are you doing? You need to walk. I'm saying, like, Grace. Look, hell, wait a minute. <laughs> but we have that kind of, you know, so we've been quarantining uh, together, as you know. And it's so funny. She says, "Mom, we're just the golden girls. <laughs> <laughs> we're the golden girls. You know, we playing <laughs> flannel pajamas and stuff. And she's <laughs> off working on our music. And I'm reading the plays. Like, what are you doing? What are you up to?
1: So what are you want <laughs> so but that reminds me that you had a a third person in your quarantine you had your mom yes mom was with me for two months yeah which made for a really great and interesting dynamic oh my god Uh, it was so much fun because my
0: mother is you know a southern belle for sure (laughs) <laughs> a black southern belle, and Grace is this, you know, rather bohemian music person, and 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 I'm, you know, still being a, the professional person and trying to get it all done. But it was so funny. M- my mother, see, I just know her as my mom, and you know, mm-hmm. still, you know, sometimes slightly annoying and very stubborn. Mm-hmm. Grace. Who also is, is a wonderful uh, documentarian, you know, mm-hmm. could really appreciate all of who my mother was. So I came to know more of my mother through grace. Mm -hmm. And Grace would just flip that iPhone on so fast. We're walking around here looking like hell. And (laughs) before you know it, Grace has it on. I mean, all kinds of conversations conversations about sex, conversations about regret that my mother had, uh, uh, funny stuff that's all on Instagram. Oh, I tell you, my mom got more likes than I did. <laughs> I got more views on <laughs> little uh, uh, video clips we put up on Instagram with my mother. I mean, she was hysterical. People in Brazil were like that, oh, your your mother is fabulous. We want to see more of your mother. Let's see pictures when she was young. I'm like, what is this? But I did not appreciate what a dynamic personality mm-hmm. she was that mm-hmm. way. Um her irreverence, my mother is extremely irreverent, even you know, though <laughs> she wanted us to be perfect for other people. Uh so it was I uh
1: carol, I think it I think it could be a show <laughs> <laughs> Oh my goodness! yeah, sort of three generations of of golden girls, <laughs> three, three
0: generations of golden girls, and uh so we just had so much fun. We actually sat and really spent time sharing, and I came to um appreciate my mom in a whole other way, and Grace. Mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. of her ability to see the importance and even now it, it, you know she's an adult but to see that one of the things that has been instilled in her or maybe she has on her own because her father died when she was 12 mm-hmm. preserving the moments mm. the legacy um you know, not forgetting. So she's documenting everything. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it was just really a lot of fun and a lot of work because my mother was always high maintenance. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, always in her twenties, thirties, you know, she was just always, you know, I think my mother has been saying since she was 35, baby, go and get mother a glass of water. (laughs) so you can imagine now at 88 and of course I'm the you know I'm the you know I'm I revert back to like a teenager I'm like mom come on no mom get up you can do this get up no I'm not coming over there to help you get up and you know just walk into the kitchen
1: and sure, Grace is looking at you, horrified. And Grace is like, "Mom, just be. You
0: know, you're not gonna teach her these new things." So Grace becomes like the, you know, the the voice of wisdom. She's 88, mom. She's not going to learn any, you know, just enjoy it. Just embrace it. I'm like, oh, listen to you. And Torturing me to get out and go and jog and she's torturing me. But it's three generations together. I could see things in my mother that I still are aspirational. And I could see the things that I don't want to be. Mm -hmm. I see when I looked at her, her. You know, her human frailties, but it was very um, revealing. It's a real turning point that the three of us had that kind of quality time because when am I ever in one place long enough or right. in one place long enough? And well, mom is always at home. Right. <laughs> you know, we never, I've never been able to have that quality time and without my other siblings.
1: Mm-hmm. That's right.
0: You're the oldest of
1: four? Are you the? Yes. Ah, yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, that was- so it was just, we, ha- I had her all to myself, which I said, you know, was a lot to do, but it was also such a, a, a wonderful gift mm-hmm. that I didn't have to, We she didn't have to worry about how much she talked about how much she loved me and how wonderful she thought I was because <laughs> nobody was going to feel bad. <laughs> I still had to listen to when she got stuck on one of the other siblings about how magnificent they are, but you know, generous, so...
1: and but you didn't have to watch that sibling preen and and I guess, no, I did not the glory. I didn't have to, you
0: know, you know, you know, throw some water on my all my fire and shame and wonderment because they weren't. There to feel bad
1: about it. So <laughs> <laughs> you know it is. It is so ridiculous to talk about silver linings in this horrific pandemic. But truly, this story is is this magical story is really a silver lining. To your point, when would you? If, if, if a year ago I would said to you, Lynn, you, your mother, and Grace are going to be together for months and nobody else will be there. (laughs) I
0: I tell you, I can't, I could not have imagined it. Yeah. yeah. In one place, Grace, I hadn't really spent time with Grace, Mm -hmm. maybe a week or two here,
1: there at holidays in years. My daughter is my oldest and she is the same age as Grace. And so it's so interesting now to spend time one-on-one with this young woman who is also this grown person. You know, you relate to your children differently when you can actively remember what you were doing when you were their age. <laughs> I mean, you know, when you're five, you don't really remember. But in right. your 20s, like I can remember like it was three days ago what I did in my 20s. I, I don't know about you, but I'm often... Instructing myself to sort of take a step back when she's talking to me about something so that I don't have the mother response first and foremost. Listen, not only am I thinking to myself, I am saying
0: Hail Marys. I am like, um, don't say a word. It's really challenging sometimes. And there are other circumstances where she sort of sits me down and says, mom, you know, I've seen this. I've seen this since I was a child. I've seen this repeated over and over. You know, people look at you at me, perhaps, and see what surrounds our life and the kind of, you know, mm-hmm. things we've been able to accomplish and, you know, be a part of. And and I don't think they necessarily know that in every human being, there are places of that need to be fulfilled. Mm-hmm. and. One of the people on this earth who knows that for me is my daughter. She will sit me down and really talk, have earnest conversations with me about me fulfilling, you know, more of my potential.
1: Absolutely. Um, I mean, even the start of this podcast, which is something that I'd wanted to do for some time, uh, my daughter was really, really helpful. She's incredibly good at sort of cutting right through to the middle and getting to the heart of it mm-hmm. and delivering messages that I don't think anybody else in this world could deliver to me mm-hmm. <laughs> as effectively. The
0: fact truly is, is that no my, no one knows me better mm-hmm. and, and no one wants to best for me as much as she does. And so it all comes from a good place. Mm-hmm. So we annoy each other and then you know it's just a little back and forth. but I for both of us and for for women who did take, who have taken the time or maybe didn't even have all of the time, but it, the energy that it takes to raise a daughter, any child, but to raise a daughter, the what we deposit within them, um, what we get out, even with all of the mistakes and all of that, that we stand to gain so much mm-hmm, mm-hmm. from the time that we put in, you know. Mm-hmm. And when we were raising children, it was j- just, you know, God, career women, and I am a career woman, but I mean, it was really uh, a quandary, you know, what what choice to make. We were surrounded by so many ambitious and successful people, and, uh, you know, so the balancing of all of that, but it's just great to know that whatever we put in, or, you know, I think don't like it when people say, you know, sacrifices or that, because it's not that, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's just human choices It's such a blessing.
1: Years ago, when um, uh, President Obama was running his for his first term, there was an article about Michelle Obama and it, it focused on um, baking pies for the military or something. And my daughter, Tyler, said to me, this this is an accomplished woman she's a lawyer she's she's doing all this great stuff why are they focusing on pie baking and and i explained to her that in that there were many parts of the country in which this was an image that people wanted to see and that you know she could do many different things and that it was all part of a a master plan i said well you know i hope you understand that even though i didn't really um spend as much of your childhood working outside the home as I would have anticipated I hope you you understand that's a really important thing for you to do that you know you, the 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 goal in life should be to, to fulfill yourself and work hard and have a really interesting career and I had this panic that her not seeing that would alter the way she looked at it and and I'll never forget that she looked at me and she said um I'm, I'm not quite sure how this is going to sound, but I actually don't think much about what you're doing when I'm trying to figure out what I want to do. <laughs> that's so great. I, I thought I thought two things. I thought, ooh, and then I thought, okay, that's actually the way it's supposed to be. <laughs> that is actually the way it's supposed to be. Yeah, I guess that's success. So for all you younger parents of of daughters, younger moms with daughters, just, just keep, Putting in the work now, <laughs> and ultimately, it it actually it's it's all worth it. It's definitely all worth it. One more question though: What's really interesting to me is that um, Grace is 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 following in in your footsteps in terms of her artistic focus. So was this something that you saw early on and encouraged, or and helped? No, uh... <laughs>
0: That's when no becomes, you know, gets two syllables. (laughs) (laughs) No. (laughs) No. Uh, It was not because this, you know, career of being an artist is, um, it's unpredictable. Uh, It's ever changing. It's ever waxing and waning, you know. Uh, and so it's full of, you know, disappointment. And it, when you're lucky, it is uh, full of great victories, you know. Uh, so I did not want Grace to be an artist at all. <laughs> now, I never... I never dissuaded it. Um, I don't know if she could help it with a father who was a director and a mother who's an actress and, you know, I l- love creative things. Uh, but I didn't want that life for her. No. And I, I as you know, shared with you, uh, when she came back from her year of, of study in, in, in Ren uh, to, to, get that French under her belt completely. And uh, she was, you know, her education was very good and varied and it was the year before graduation. Anyway, she comes back. I take her to Madison Square Garden to, to see Beyonce, yeah. And, um, you know, we've had these conversations often, oh, well, Mom, you know, I like music, but I know, I don't know. Um, but I'd like to do that. I know you don't want me to do that, but I, I kind of really want to, so anyway, we're sitting there, and it's when Beyonce is doing this show, and these Mugler did the whole thing, this French fashion designer, mm-hmm. and you know, so she's it's mounts this thing, and she's flying across Madison Square Garden in the <laughs> you know Mugler cat suit, singing her ass off, <laughs> being completely glamorous, and being what I think Gray Salt was her own form of personal expression. And I looked at Grace to say, oh my God, darling, isn't it, isn't it? Oh my God, I saw the fire in her eyes. (laughs) I saw the passion in her soul. And I just thought back to myself when I was absolutely sure there was no question that I had to do this. And I sat there with great love for her really appreciating Beyonce because, you know, she was throwing down. (laughs) But I cried because it was I knew that I had to support her Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and what she needed to do to become this artist she wanted to be. And that I couldn't, because I always told her, "Look, you have to want it so bad that you. There's nothing else you can do. Like if you don't do this, if there's there's no other option. Then I'll support it. And I saw the fire in her, and um, and so yeah, so we went down that path, and it, but it's. It's so it's it's it was really something. I just always thought I'd have, you know, a child of mine would be a lawyer or something, or, you know, or an investment banker or you know something. Maybe even a fashion designer. But I never thought like a performing artist of any kind. I was just never anything that I, you know, envisioned. She writes amazing music really um, with a lot of activism in it. And, and it's not anything that we're seeing right now. So yeah, the Grace
1: Gibson, let's see what it all turns out to be. <laughs> I was thinking about the different roles that I, that I've seen you in. And and most recently, of course, the Lady May and how you have over the years from time to time played the sort of the intense um perhaps judgmental mom who loves her children fiercely and kind of wants to protect a legacy. I mean, I'm, I'm thinking of like the wedding, but I mean, most recently in Greenleaf and, and, and you exude just generally, you know, you come on screen and there's an expectation is going to be sophistication. There may be a little judgment. I mean, you're, you know, but there's, (laughs) there's going to be fabulousness (laughs) and, but, but, you are going to be a force that is um, not to be reckoned with. So my question is, since that's not you, Lynn, I mean that's you, the character. Yeah. What's the process to get in there? And and, and your imitation of your mom gives me a sense that you, you may have had wells <laughs> to draw on. But also, do you ever call upon any of those characters, like in parenting, do like either they pop up or do you summon them if you need them? My parenting, yes. No, well, most of them are summoned for what
0: not to do. You know, uh, and uh, and then sometimes some of those those characters, there are parts of them that I I think I should channel a little bit more with grace. That's not who who I am. You know, Uh, I can't teach grace to be um, to be contrived. You know, I'm a heart person, so, and many of my characters are fighting the heart the those mothers uh that I've played, I think there're three of them specifically, um all very different, but still, yeah, I cannot do that because I have to follow my heart my mm-hmm. you know.
1: I am unfortunately going to wrap here. So I so appreciate your time and um, it's been so great. I knew it would be. And it's so great to talk to you about all of this. And I'm sure that parents listening really appreciate your advice and, and all of your perspectives. But before we go, you have to play the GCP bonus round. Two questions. So the first is, give me a favorite poem. Um.
0: Well. A favorite poem of mine. I have two. Uh, Can I do two? Sure. Okay. I mean, I'm not doing the poem, but uh, uh, one is Still I Rise. Mm. uh, But it's Still I Rise because uh, it reminds us, it reminds me of the energy that we carry as Black people. Mm-hmm. That can sometimes make other people uncomfortable. And it makes me feel good because we are the dream and the hope of of, of the slaves. We yeah. are a black ocean leaping in wide. We are just moving forward and making waves and all of that. It's because it talks about our beauty and how it makes people uncomfortable. So it's always a good reminder because um, it's just a little tap on the shoulder. Uh, of just, you know, just know what all of this, how some people really feel about these things. And we're seeing so much of it right now in our country. Uh, And the other is a very tiny poem that Ruby D wrote called Double Dutch. And Double Dutch is about girls jumping double Dutch. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And they go and they, jump into the ropes and then, you know, and then their legs get all like beat up and everything <laughs> or they miss, but they just rev up mm-hmm. and jump back in there. And it's a, it's a metaphor for not giving up, mm-hmm. not letting hurt feelings or failure stop you. Uh, And it, has such resonance p- particularly for women, because when you think of double Dutch, it's it's little
1: girls jump in double Dutch for the most part. And the second question, give me one or two children's books that you love, either that you loved growing up reading or that you love to read to grace
0: oh okay i I loved uh, Good Night Moon. Yes, Good night, I love that. And then the other one that I loved for myself as a child, I loved Eloise at the Plaza. And then in my own mind, I would just put a little bronze face on her. And but in my mind, I I made that adjustment, and and it
1: it was little Lynn Smith, Lynn Smith at the Plaza. Yes. <laughs> I hope everyone listening enjoyed this conversation and that you'll come back for more. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe, rate, and review where you find your podcasts and tell your friends. In the meantime, please check out the Ground Control Parenting blog at www.groundcontrolparenting.com for tons of parenting info and advice. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at Ground Control Parenting and on LinkedIn under Carol Sutton Lewis. Please send comments and questions on any of these platforms because we really want to hear from you. Until the next time, take care and thanks for listening.